My name's Terry. Welcome to the Oddscast. Welcome to the Oddscast. Anything more? Welcome to the Oddscast. And welcome to this week's edition of the Oddscast podcast. I'm Tom Toledo, alongside Joe Delara, Terry Takes, producer Corey. NFL Week 7 is the main topic today. We're going to give you our odds versus SPY picks. We'll go spread. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL season, how we think things are playing out. But first, before we get started with the NFL, which is, again, going to dominate this podcast, I wanted to give an in-memoriam to Terry Takes and his Atlanta Braves, who blew a 3-1 lead to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Dodgers are now in the World Series with the Tampa Bay Rays. Terry, how do you feel? What's your uh, take like I said from the beginning of this season in the MLB preview podcast, um, this season didn't count. Uh, no one really thought it mattered. I was never under the impression that it mattered. I think if it was a longer season, the Braves would have won because uh, they would have tried harder. Um, but again, this is uh, high school kids play longer seasons than this. So to say that it counts for anything, please. Clayton Kershaw, my personal record book, if he wins this one, he still has zero rings. Joe, what's your take on the World Series so far? Um, I, I think it's – I think the games have actually been pretty interesting uh, without the rest and stuff. I, I, at first, I, I agreed with Terry, and I didn't feel like this would count. But after watching this, uh, I think this is hard. It's just a different type of – I mean, I, it's a different type of playoffs. I mean – some of these teams really didn't belong probably in the playoffs, but I think most of them will beat it out right away. So um, I think there's probably going to be some sort of asterisks, but uh, I think it's been a pretty good product overall. We uh, I, I'm seeing on our Twitter feed that this is going to be a, what do you meme segment in terms of the new Pope meme that's going around on Twitter. One of my all time favorite memes, just because of how, I, just fucking funny it is. Uh, you had said, give us this day our daily bread, which has been your calling card. Let's get this bread. Raise 22 to 1. Let's get it. And then if you haven't seen this meme, it's basically the four-pronged image with three of the images with the Pope. Um, and then the one top left corner is him holding up a, a Eucharist. Is that correct, Corey? Yeah, Eucharist. Well, Joe, you're correct. Catholic, right? You were raised Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, Technically... Technically, only the Eucharist once he brings it down. He's making it the Eucharist still. Yeah, so it's still the bread at, the, at this point. <laughs> then he holds it up, says the magic words. Yeah. The altar boy rings the bells, pulls his pants up, and then we all eat. <laughs> Aren't you a Eucharistic minister, Corey? Goddamn right I am. So you can administer the Eucharist? And the wine. How, why haven't we done this? Why haven't we? Why have we gone to church? <laughs> I don't know. You want to go to church? Yeah. No, I mean, you could be like our gambling church. Yeah. Like, and you could. If you need me to bless Eucharist. something, I mean, I've done the uh, uh, Palm Sunday uh, cross on the forehead. I was the guy. Mm. The guy? <laughs> yeah. So if you need me to take one of your bets and give it the thumb to the forehead, let me know. I will tell that bet to turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel. And make us money. Did you alternate thumbs? No. Or it had to be your right tired? thumb. It did. Uh, and it was super stained for like a good two yeah. days. You must have like really good thumb muscles. That's why you're so good at Call of Duty. That's it, baby. Working no. them sticks. 
So we're, we're going to go, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't like to dwell too much in the past, but we're quickly going to touch on before we go into the odds versus SPY segment, NFL week six, um, our bets went seven and two again. I think that we are just on fire. The only bets we didn't hit were Vikings minus three and a half, which was mine. And then the Cowboys plus two on Monday night with Terry takes close. I want to give a Gautier of the week shout out to Mike Zimmer because he, as you know, this was his spot. This was his spot in a one o'clock game at home against a non-divisional favorite or as a non-divisional home favorite. And he was like 18, three and one or something like that. And they completely just got blown out and never were in control of the game. I think that this is probably the, I, I can't see the Vikings going seven and three, eight and two to make a playoff run, but it just was saddening. And I just wanted to give a goatee of the week to Mike Zimmer because he for the last two or three years has been money in this spot. And it seems like we cannot go back to him anymore. And he's just somebody that we used to know. Uh, my goatee of the week is my man, my idol, my big teddy bear, the Amish bomber, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who after getting the dolphins back to 500 battling back, uh, throwing three, three touchdowns, two interceptions against the jets was benched on Monday for Tua, two a time. He got in at the end of the game, two for two, get the Boston Canton ready. Um, for Tua, but uh, it's a sad time because Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing well. He's, I think, top 10 in QBR, uh, and he's probably playing the best football of his life and just gets benched again, and it hurts me. I want to see Tua play, but I do, I do feel for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who said he's heartbroken over the decision, but will still be a good teammate, and no longer can we bet on Ryan Fitzpatrick as a Dolphins quarterback. As Warren Sharp pointed out, he was – 12 and five against the spread since taking over for Dom's boy, Josh Rosen last season. So <laughs> he built our bankroll and we will not forget him. Joe, you have any Gautiers? I know you went three and zero and had a pretty good week. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a current Gautier of the week, but I will uh, also mourn uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick, um, the underdog Harvard grad. Let's go into this week's NFL week seven. Uh, we had originally started with DVOA and it's a statistic I think is gotta be your bread and butter at this point. Now that we have a good enough sample size with six games for a lot of these teams, um, to look at in terms of projecting lines and finding value, the number one team in DVOA. Can you guess if you have not looked at it already, Terry, Joe, I locks box. So interestingly enough, um, the Bucks and, and Aaron Schatz had a good write-up on DVOA's website about what's his last name? Schatz. S C H A T Z. Oh dumb. Uh, yeah. Schatz. Schatz. Yeah. Maybe Schatz. Schatz sounds definitely yeah. an easy <laughs> definitely, definitely an easy last name to grow up with. <laughs> so Mr. Schatz. Uh, noted, and this is probably, you know, I, I'll get your take, Terry, because you are Terry takes A and B. You had taken the Bucks at 50 to 1 before they signed Brady in the offseason. 
the Bucks have the largest lead in DVOA history versus the number two team over a 10% lead. So they're at 41.1%. Baltimore is 30.8%. So that's over 10% lead from first place to second place in terms of that gap. It's not, it's not the highest of all time, but it's up there. Um, but the last one, two, three, four, five, six teams that have had over a 10% gap after week six, I just wanted to note this and get your take. The 2014 Denver Broncos, they finished 12 and four, lost in the divisional playoffs. 2013 Broncos, who went 13 and three, lost in the Super Bowl. 2007 Pats, who went 16 and 0 and lost, this, lost in the Super Bowl. The 1999 Rams, 13 and three, won the Super Bowl. 98 Broncos, 14 and two, won the Super Bowl. And the Packers in 96, 13 and three, won the Super Bowl. So three out of those six teams have won the Super Bowl. The Bucks are the only two-win team to be a part of this group, dating back two to win. 1985. Um, what do you mean and, two, uh, two? Two losses. I'm sorry. They're only two loss team at this point after Week Six. And I wanted to get your take on if the Bucks look like a historically good team because if you look at these teams, they at least have 12 wins. Uh. Do they look like a historically great team? I think their defense is pretty damn good. And you have Tom Brady still meshing with the offense. So I think you see he's still got some stuff left in the tank. Historically great, I think, obviously, it's too early to tell. Like last year, we were crowning the Patriots as a historically great defense. I think they were good. I don't know if they were historically great. Um, They played pretty mediocre opponents and quarterbacks. So at this point, I feel good about my futures bet. Will I crown them as one of the best teams ever if they win the Super Bowl? Maybe out of personal bias, um, but uh, I think it's too early to tell. I think they they still got some kinks to work out on the offense, but again, defense defense looking good, and they made Aaron Rodgers you know look pretty pretty mediocre last week. Kind of like um, it, it reminded me of the championship game last year in San Francisco. Um, where the Packers kind of have games like that every once in a while. And mm-hmm. that's the most I've ever really seen them on the ground. So it, I, I like it. I, I like it. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. So the Bucks, if you follow Joe and I on the action network, you got a notification that we bet the Bucks minus two and a half against the Raiders on Sunday night. Um, Trent Brown was sent home today because he had COVID and John Gruden, Trent Brown's tackle for the Raiders. Uh, John Gruden sent the whole offensive line home um, because they have to, I guess, quarantine or maybe get a test. I don't know. Um, but that game is in flux. So I didn't pick them in our um, odds versus SPY segment this week, but I still have the 2.5. The line's at four right now. I think that the Bucks win that game by at least a touchdown, even if they did have a healthy offensive line, just because I, I think they're clicking on all cylinders and, you know, like I told, I said before, with this, they're four and two wins. They're four and two team, and they're looking like a 12, 13, 16 win team um, in terms of the historical comparisons in DVOA. So this is a game that they would win. Tom Brady's been very good in prime time. I have him at 37, 27, three against the spread all time in prime time. He's lost his last three. Gruden is only four and four against a spread off a bye, and he's five, ten, and one in prime time, and he's won his last four. So I think there might be a revert to the mean in terms of the uh, 
the streaks that are there with Gruden's losing in primetime and Brady or Gruden's winning in primetime, Brady's losing in primetime. But um, I would comfortably bet the bucks if, if the offensive line is, is in flux for Las Vegas, but that's a game that I think we need to mark down. Um, let's go into this week. There's well, a lot of what I'm this week. I'm excited. That was an excited. Well, whoa. Well, you had told me before that you didn't think this week was that great. Uh, no, but I was faking excitement. So sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Why don't, why don't you like this week? You know let's what? Talk, everyone, let's talk about everyone, that. everyone turn off the podcast. Cause I hate this week. <laughs> talk a little bit. Why, why do you hate this week? Maybe we'll, I can, just we can... don't, I don't like any of the lines really. That's why. I yeah. I, I think there are some good games on the schedule. I just don't like any of the lines. We have two zero and six against the spread teams in Dallas and New York. Um, it's historically been the fact that those teams win their seventh game. Um, I think it was like seven three and one. Um, the the against the spread line for those zero and six teams. So we have some historical comparisons to look at. Uh, before we get into our picks, I just want to throw some more trend lines at you, and you tell me if you're thinking about them and uh, what you think about them. So the Giants and well, the Eagles, Thursday night game. Eagles are minus four and a half. Joe says he loves them. Why do you love them, Joe? I love the Giants. I'm taking them on, on the money line uh, tonight. Um, I think that this is a good spot for them. Uh, I just – I just hate, I also hate the Eagles so much and <laughs> hard, hard hitting analysis. Yeah. That, that's well, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a giants fan. So I love this game. Yeah. They're, they're, well, they're, great, they're, great, 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 great analysis. The Eagles are missing a lot of tools on uh, offense. And um, I think that they're going to struggle to score uh, without Sanders, without Ertz, And I think it'll give the giants an opportunity because their defense really just can't stop anyone at all. So um if the Eagles are kind of hurting, I think it might give the uh, the Giants an opportunity to not have to play from behind and be able to maybe control the pace, make Daniel Jones feel a little comfortable, despite uh, some Philly fans, I think, in the stands. I think Lane Johnson is playing, but let me throw this at you, see what you think. Doug Peterson is 7-1 and one straight up against the Giants as the head coach of the Eagles. He's 3-5 and five against the spread in those games. At home versus the Giants, these have been games that he's all won, but they have been very uh, slim margins, all under a touchdown. He has wins of six, three, three, and five, dating back to 2016. So he's one and three against the spread against the Giants at home. Your you thoughts? Have any thoughts, yeah. Joe? <laughs> I just feel like it's another one of those close divisional games. Um, I just, I'm gonna, I, I like the Giants in the spot. I think that the sample sizes are obviously a little bit small, but. Um, I can see this being a close kind of gritty game. Let's go uh, Packers at Texans Packers minus three and a half as a road uh, favorite Rogers, 19 and 15 as a road favorite under four points Deshaun Watson, two and one as a home dog under four, Woo-hoo. the Tex, the Texans got completely boned um, against the spread, a game that Terry and I were on um, against the spread in the super contest. And they were up by eight points with a minute 30 left and ended up not covering a three and a half point spread. Your thoughts. 
Uh, I like the Packers here. I think they bounce back. Uh, the Texans can't stop anyone really on defense. Are you drinking champagne out of a bottle or is that wine? It's, uh, it's wine. I wish it was okay. champagne. If I went three and out, it would be champagne. Yeah. Um, but I just think there's a bounce back spot for the Packers. I, Romeo Cornell seems to have sparked something in that team, but uh, I don't think he's a long-term solution uh, being how old he is and just he's more of a defensive-minded coach. And I just don't think they have the firepower to keep up with with the Packers who have uh, a much better defense than um, the Titans. So the rest of the, the trend lines our games we're picking. So let's go into our segment, Odds versus SPY. I think we need some theme music here. So producer Corey, you can chime in with some theme music. Um, but we are on fire. Terry, give us our year-to-date stats from when we started this segment and give us what the SPY is up or down. Uh, we are 14-4. and four. Up seventy four point two percent ROI. The SPY is up a uh, half a percent, closer to 06 percent. Oof. Up yeah, I think it, it closed around dollars. Closed around three hundred forty two fifty last uh, last night. So, you know, it started out three forty seventy six. I think that we just got to keep momentum moving. You know, there's going to be down weeks. There's going to be up weeks. I think we're going to have more up weeks than, than down, though. So I like our chances Keep so way. far. Keep momentum moving. Is that like an oxymoron? You move the momentum. Keep the momentum moving. But the momentum's momentum because it's moving. Yeah, so we're going to keep the momentum moving. I, I think that makes sense. Fuck you, you, Terry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am eight and seven. And so I will go first because I was two and one. Joe is three and oh at 11 and four. You're doing very well this year, Joe. Congrats to you so far. Uh, Terry is seven and four, also went two and one. So he'll pick second snake draft. I will start out. And again, since the Bucks line has moved so much, I am going to take with my first pick the Giants plus four and a half. So Joe oh. Giants fan, good, good on you. I think that the Eagles really shouldn't be favored by more than that four and a half and more than that four hook against anyone right now. They are the second to worst team in DVOA. I think their team is in shambles. Their offense is in shambles. I think the Giants' defense is good enough to keep this game close. Giants have the 17th-ranked defense in DVOA, but they are good against the run. I think that even though Lane Johnson is coming back, he'll won't, he probably is not going to be at full strength. The addition of Deshaun Jackson scares me a little bit, but you saw kind of a slugfest game in the NFC East last week with the Giants and the football team. I think that you know if the NFC East is the memeable division that everyone says that they are, Make it fun of all teams on Twitter. I think they're five and eighteen this season, or some absurd number. Yeah. If they are, if this is the division we all know and love, the Giants and the football team will both win this week and just throw the entire division into flux. Because this, you know, the Giants are one and five, football team's one and five. With a win, 
and you know the Cowboys loss and Eagles loss this division is just neck and neck so I think that you know these games have been historically close with Peterson and the Giants especially when they're in Philly and I think that this four and a half number is way too high I think it should be closer to two and a half just because you know the Eagles still I think are getting the benefit of the doubt because of how you know because of Peterson's pedigree because they're only two years removed from the Super Bowl win and I just think that they're a bad team like they're by all statistical metrics the team is garbage and even though the Giants might be garbage four and a half points in a garbage game between two garbage teams is just too much and I will take the Giants plus four and a half let's go so much garbage okay garbage man who lives in the garbage can Oscar the Grouch yes okay thank you uh with my first pick I will be going down to the Superdome, the very quiet Superdome, uh, and be taking not the home team, but the Carolina Panthers. Uh, We got Teddy Bridgewater revenge game. As we know, all Teddy Bridgewater does is cover. He is, according to Matt Freeman of the Action Network, uh, as an underdog, 20 and five. That's a 56.6 ROI. Um, road underdog, 15 and two. It's a team he knows. It's a defense he practiced against for the past through two years. Um, he's had success, you know, filling in for uh, Drew Brees last year. If you look at the Saints, their defense really hasn't been that great. They've given up over 20 points, you know, over 20 points every game, over 30 twice. Last game against the Chargers, gave up 27 to a rookie quarterback on his second start in the Superdome on a Monday night, which is, you know, very unsaints-like. Yes, they're coming off a bye. Um, yes, the Panthers just lost to the Bears, you know, a Bears team that uh, most people think are, are overrated and their record doesn't reflect really how good they are. But I still think the, I like Matt rule. I think they're really building something there. Um, and when you have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who doesn't really get, um, you know, two out of sorts and can, can lead his team to, you know, keep this close. And, you know, the, the saints really haven't been blowing anyone out, I think. And, Panthers have every most of their games have been close. I think the biggest loss was to the Bucks in Week Two. They lost by fourteen. So uh, I, I like them in this spot uh, as you know a division divisional road underdog with with Teddy Two Gloves. Um, and then just in terms of pass rush, Breeze doesn't have a great rating when he's under pressure, and the Panthers have a top ten pass rush. So you know Breeze is going to try to get it out quick, and you don't know if. Michael Tom, who Michael Thomas could punch this week where he could be out. So I would, I would take the seven and a half. It's, it's starting to trend a little bit to seven. So you see a seven and a half out there, grab it now. Yeah. I have a trend line for you, Terry. I have, uh, I had it in my notes and I was leaving it for you to, uh, thank you. Cause did I tell you this one? Yes. Okay. So (laughs) Sean Payton is when he is a home favorite of seven or more points, Against divisional opponents, he is six and fourteen against the spread. So he has not been great in this spot in 
playing as a big favorite and these games are close. You know, he does win these games, but they are close. I, I would be very surprised if the Panthers win this game outright, but I do agree with you that the seven and a half spread is a little much. Uh, okay. the, only, the only thing I, I will say in terms of this game scaring me is the bye week for Peyton. You know, Peyton is, is good against, you know, off the bye. He's eight and five all time um, against the spread. It's not, you know, automatic, but Peyton is one of those coaches you got to be afraid of, especially, uh, you know, scheming offensively. Yeah, but he could also have spent, you know, he could spend Saturday night on Bourbon Street just chugging hurricanes and then come into the game on Sunday and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just use Taysom Hill for 50% of my snaps just because I love him and I want to show that he's better than Teddy Bridgewater and he deserves a two-year $30 million contract. Fair, fair, all fair. Joe, you're up. Hurricanes, the hurricanes will get you. <laughs> I uh, My first pick is uh, my favorite bird in the NFL, the Seahawks minus three and a half. Um, I'm taking them here. They are, uh, on, they're off a bye and they're on the road here as three and a half point favorites. Um, I like this game uh, for a couple of different reasons, one of which is that um, – I think Arizona is getting a little bit inflated considering the way that they blew out the Cowboys last week. Um, and I think that the Seahawks are a better team, especially given the bye week. Uh, Pete Carroll is seven and three against the spread off bye, And that includes three and one as a road favorite uh, covering by an average of four and a quarter points. Um, and then additionally, since 2005 road favorites with at least 13 days off, are 67, 36, and two against the spread. And when they're divisional matchups, the favorites are 29, 10, and one. Um, so I think that this sets up for a smash, a smash spot for the superior birds in the NFC West. And uh, the Seahawks are going to win this game and cover the three and a half points. Um, my second pick is the Steelers plus one and a half. Uh, this line has swung a bit, uh, which I was surprised about. The Steelers opened as it looked like one and a half point favorites, and then now they are one and a half point dogs. Um, but given that circumstance, Tomlin's 24 and 15 against the spread as a road dog. Um, the Steelers, the number three team in DVOA, uh, they're a team that we were all, I think, pretty high on as a podcast uh, this offseason and a lot of our futures picks look decent right now. Um, the Titans are a little bit surprising. One of the things that I was most surprised about, um, was how good their offense is according to DVOA. They have the number three offense and it's primarily being carried, or at least it looks like it's being carried by the passing game, not necessarily the running game, even though Derek Henry has been kind of a monster. Um, but the Steelers are good at stopping the rush and I'm going to take them as a road dog and grab that point and a half. Yeah. I mean, I get the pick a lot. I really do. I, I'm just scared of the Titans. I, I think yeah. they're kind of the team that could be just the weird team this year that statistically they're, they're always, you know, they're not elite statistically, but they are always in games and a couple things bounce their way. And just, they end up kind of as a, a fraud 12 and four team or 11 and five team, uh, yeah. maybe even higher. Kind of like but then, you know, Tannehill drives down the field. Yeah. I mean, Tannehill has been great and you guys, you know, obviously he's not at an MVP level, but when I gave him out as a potential dark horse MVP, you guys kind of laughed me off the podcast, but 
Um, I'm, not, I'm not expecting you to apologize for that just because I don't think he's at MVP level yet, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a couple huge games and. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was hearing them talk about this. They were talking about this on ESPN. Yes. What would be yesterday. And they were saying like how, uh, this year there's nobody with super like eye popping stats, like the years when Lamar and Mahomes won MVP where they're doing something you're just like, have never seen before. Um, if you look at Tannehill, he's putting together like a very solid year as a quarterback for a team that we probably didn't think was going to be this successful in terms of wins and losses. Yeah. I mean, it's probably Russell Wilson's award to lose at this point, but I think, you know, they'll give it to the quarterback of the team. That's 13 and three or 14 and two at the end of the year. And that remains to be seen which quarterback that will be. I almost, I mean, I almost took the Titans against, against Joe. So I yeah, no, just, I, their offense, their passing offense is so good. They're top, they're top yeah, five they're and the Steelers don't have a great coverage. Tannehill isn't that bad. Like Tannehill is pretty good against uh, pressure. He's seven touchdowns, no interceptions when he's under pressure. Yeah. I, I just, uh, the my Steelers th- offense isn't that great. I, I don't know. This could be a shootout. Honestly. My thought with it was that the Steelers rush defense is good enough that they don't necessarily have to pack um, like pack eight in the box to stop Derrick Henry. And then I think that's partially why Tannehill has been so good because teams are just selling out to stop Henry and then Tannehill's got an open lane to throw the ball. But that's just my thought. I think it's going to be a close game. It's probably going to be a good, probably the best. It might be the best game to watch this week. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited for it. I, I, like I said, I get the pick, but it, it's just to stay away from me. So yeah, uh, hey, but, but, I'm, not but, bet, I'm not betting against Arthur Smith, offensive wizard. <laughs> Joe, Joe's 11. He doesn't, four, so like, he, he doesn't even, I don't I still don't understand why he's a coach. Dad's fucking owns FedEx. <laughs> like, I mean, what? if you were, that sounds like he just has a hobby. Yeah, uh, Terry, second pick you're up. Uh, my second pick is uh, the battle of Ohio. I will be taking the Cleveland Browns minus three. You can still get minus three at some places, uh, three and a half others. So make sure you shop around. Uh, Browns off a pretty terrible loss to the Steelers where they essentially just kind of mailed it. Yes, Baker got hurt, but Baker really looked like he was limiting their offense and they were down by like a ton of points and they just started running the ball because they didn't want Baker to throw it anymore. Again, I understand he was hurt, but it's like they kind of just mailed it in. Um, Bengals, close game against uh, the Colts last week. I still don't know what to make of the Colts team because Phillip Rivers could honestly just lose you the football game when they had, they're the better team. Um, but uh, the, the Browns, they played week two. Browns won by five points um, on Thursday night football, shorter week. Uh, I, I think this is a bounce back spot for the Browns. I think they're still a better football team, even though their point differential is pretty is like minus 50 and they're four and two. Um, but the Bengals have the second worst uh, pass rush in the league. So Baker won't be under pressure. As we talked about last week, Baker's terrible uh, when he's under pressure. So he, sh- he should have a lot of time. Shouldn't hear too many footsteps. Um, Bengals are in the bottom third run defense. Uh, with the Browns, their O-line's a little banged up, but I still think that they'll be able to establish the run, be able to get back on track with Kevin Stefanski week five, and 
it, it just seems like the Bengals are a little, little overvalued here. Um, still with a rookie quarterback, still trying to find his way. All right. I am going to go with, I, I don't really have much to say. I know that we've been chiming in after every pick, but you know, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. You don't want to watch the battle of Ohio. Uh, I mean, it'll be on red zone, <laughs> <laughs> but not really. No. Um, my, my second pick is going to be the Detroit lions at plus two and a half. I am kicking. It might be a little bit of me just trying to chase, um, what I missed out on last week. I, you know, this was a podcast that loved the lions heading into the season. Not loved the lions, but just in terms of them overachieving this year, I think that last week, you know, there were three and a half favorites to the, to the Jaguars, a team that we all were planning on fading this whole season and I didn't bet them. They came out and dominated and I'm very sad. And I realized to myself while watching that game is that, Hey, maybe the thought that I had in the beginning of the season and that we had in the beginning of the season, that the lions are actually pretty good football team. And if the lions are a pretty good football team, which I think I've been convinced of looking at their schedule um, and, and their previous games, they are, two and three, but their three losses were to the bears at home in the first game of the season, a game they should have won if the Andre Swift could catch a, you know, 15 yard out route uh, with nobody on him against a team that is now five and one. And probably as Terry said, in the beginning of this segment, a team that's better than people think they are. Um, and you know, they might be a little overrated in terms of the, the metrics, but they're still a five and one team. They beat the bucks who are the number one team in DBOA on Thursday night and could be a, could be a playoff team. They lost the Packers um, in week two on the road. Packers are four and one and looking very solid. They lost to the saints who are still a top 10 team in DVOA on both sides of the ball uh, at home. And they covered in that game. So, or or they didn't cover in that game. They, they, I think they didn't cover by one point, but that was still a close game. They lost by six. So with that in mind, lions come to face the Falcons. I think that this team it's just a buy spot of the lions. I think if the lions are the team that we think they are, and if they want to get back into this divisional race, they have, this is kind of like a must win game for them um, in a very winnable game. And, you know, it's a short road dog, but I think that I'm just going to go out and limb here and take the lions. I mean, you can justify it with metrics. There's a slight advantage of DVOA. The lions have the best run blocking stats of any team. Um, per PFF's premium stats. I think that they can control the ball, um, kind of do what the Vikings should have done to the Falcons last week, but didn't do, um, you know, they're, they're three headed monster running back led by Adrian Peterson, even though it makes no sense, still looks like it works. And I think that this team is talented and, you know, they're got a couple guys on defense that are stepping up. Uh, Okuda, the corner looks good, even though again, their metrics aren't great on defense, but I think the Lions can win this game and I'm going to go out on the limb and take them plus two and a half. Uh, I like, I want to take the lions. I, I just don't know what to make of the Falcons. I don't know if last week was an aberration in terms of we fired Dan Quinn and that weight is off our shoulders now. Um, and you know, this week they'll regress back to the team that they actually are, or if, um, they're that's, that's who they are now. Dan Quinn was weighing them down that much with Julio back and healthy. They got the two headed monster. So, 
uh, I like it. I'm not completely sold yet. I you have, you have piqued my interest though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take that at this point on uh, Thursday. Um, my final pick, and this is a game that I went into trying so hard to find an angle the other way, because if you had listened to this podcast earlier in the year and listened to our summer series preview, I have actually been high on the Washington football team. Call me mayor Barry. I have been very high on this Washington football team. I think that Ron Rivera is a good coach, even though he gives up when he's down two scores and has a chance to backdoor cover. But in these games where the spread is in between minus two and a half and plus two and a half. So close spread games under a field goal. Ron Rivera is 21 and 12 in games like this with a close spread. He's 12 and six against the spread in home games um, where the spread is between minus two and a half and two and a half. So he is up there in terms of close spread winners with some of the best coaches in the league. Uh, the top three against the spread coaches and close spread games sorted by dollars one over their career. So if you bet a hundred dollars on every game that this happened, you know, the ROI Bill Belichick is first 23, nine and one for a 38.1% ROI. Ron Rivera is second again with the stats. I just told you 23.2% ROI Mike Tomlin, who Joe is taking in a similar situation. So good on you, Joe 23 and 16, 16.8% ROI. These coaches historically win these games and more often than not. And I think that, you know, my heart's all in it with Washington, but it makes a lot of sense, especially when you consider who the Cowboys are on the other side of the ball. Mike McCarthy is one of the worst coaches in NFL history in this spot. I, the more stats come out about Mike McCarthy, like the more I'm just stunned that he ever got another head coaching job. It was literally just Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mike McCarthy is second in being the worst. Second in being the worst. He's the second worst. Well, did you see what it, did you see what Warren Sharp tweeted out mm-hmm. of his interview? Where, yeah, where he's like he lied. he said he watched he watched all <laughs> all every play of the or every Cowboy play from 2019, and then the reporter asked him about it, and he said, "I lied in the interview because I wanted the job." <laughs> Good yeah. luck with that. Yeah. So all time worst coaches against the spread by money one and close spread games. Mike McCarthy is second. He's 17 and 23. And you know, who's first very fitting Jason motherfucking Garrett. So this is the Cowboys spot to oh. blow it. They are Owen six and I hate picking against an Owen six spread team. I almost convinced myself to bet the jets at plus 13 and a half of yeah, Sam Darnold plays. Um, but that's the only thing that scares me with this team. I think this, you know, Zach Martin for the Cowboys had a concussion last week. I don't think he plays. And even if he does, this offensive line is so banged up and the Washington front seven has been very good. Washington's defense is still very good. And, you know, this is, I think going to be the third week with Kyle Allen at the helm. I think that you get enough time, especially against a defense that's bad as the Cowboys. I think this might be the team, the time that, the offense turns it around. The defense just holds them in checks and, and give Andy Dalton gives Andy Dalton hell all game. I think that if you look at the Cowboys, this very well could just be a bad team. And Dak Prescott was the only thing keeping them kind of competitive in games. 
And once Dak Prescott is out for the year, they really don't have that mobility at quarterback, don't have that elite play at quarterback, and they just are bad. So Dallas 26th overall in DVOA, Washington's 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me the better coach here and give me the better defense. Washington still has number seven ranked defense in all of football. So we're about Ron. I just, uh, Kyle Allen, do I trust him? I don't think they can score any points, no matter what defense they play against. I mean, this is the test, right? And I think they're still targeting Terry McLaurin a lot. I think that this could be a breakout game for him. Um, you know, Cowboys have given up a lot of points to some like pretty lousy teams. And you saw the Cardinals last uh, on Monday night just destroy them, um, destroy, just basically just beat them down and <laughs> just take all the. I mean, there were fans crying in the stands that became memes. So I mean, it's 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 bad for the Cowboys. And like I said, I hate picking against an own six team against the spread, but I, again, I tried to find every angle to take the Cowboys here and I just couldn't see it. So everything's telling me that it's the football team's game to win. So I got two NFC East teams this week. Uh, good luck oh, to me. <laughs> good luck with that. Jesus Christ. Uh, Okie dokie. I will go with my final pick and we will be going to a coach you just touched on Mr. Dominic and his football squad. Uh, the new England Patriots minus one and a half in Foxborough against the San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo's. Um, this is a uh, Bill Belichick revenge game against Jimmy G, even though he loves Jimmy G and traded him to a, coach that he respected um but still it's still a revenge game to make my error kyle shanahan look stupid again who helped blow a 28 to 3 lead um against bill belichick in the super bowl uh but belichick a stat you provided me earlier today is 35 and 18 against the spread after a straight up loss the pats lost this week or last week against the Denver Broncos, perhaps a look-ahead game, who knows. Um, But they also lost a week before that when Cam Newton was out with COVID. Do you know the last time the New England Patriots lost three games in a row? Um, I might say never. I think it might be a trick question. (laughs) Maybe Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe. Close. The last time the New England Patriots lost three games in a row under Bill Belichick was 2002. They lost four games in a row. They lost two games in a row last year and then went to Cincinnati and beat them 30, 35 to 13. So I just, we could bore, I could bore you with stats of why I think the Patriots will win this game, yada, yada, yada. Bill Belichick just owns the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree and Kyle Shanahan. Um, look at um, Scott McVay, Sean McVay, not Scott McVay. I don't know who that is. Scott that, McVay. Scott McVay is the guy who actually coached the Super Bowl because they didn't score any points. Um, but it's just a Belichick doesn't lose three games in a row. I don't know what you want me to say. And minus one and a half. If you don't want to lay the points, take the money line. Um, but it's just a value spot for a team coming across the country. Everyone saw the, the 49ers beat up on the Rams on, was it Monday night, Sunday night, Sunday, Sunday night. night. 
So, you know, you had America's eyes watching that game. There's going to be a lot of public money on the 49ers. This is a time to, to snag the, uh, the Patriots, which you rarely see them under three points as, as a, as a home favorite. So, uh, I, I don't run run to the sports book and take them right now. I don't yeah, know I actually I actually just ran um, when the Patriots are coming off two uh, straight up losses. They are six and two against the spread, a uh, cover margin average of fifteen point thirteen points. There you go. <laughs> Small so, sample size, but it doesn't happen often. I mean, it's a it's a great A from Sports Insights. So shout out to them. Um, another another crazy stat is that uh, as a you know in the thirty five and fourteen after straight up loss, um, when Belichick is a zero, you know he's, he's a, from a point five to a minus four favorite um, in the next game after straight up loss. He's thirteen and two uh, against the spread and he used to be 13 and 0 heading into 2018 and his last two games he lost. So um, not only does he have to lose three and uh, you not, not, not only does he have to lose three games in a row straight up, he's got to lose uh, three games against the spread straight up, uh, you know, against the spread in that spot, which is highly unlikely. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great pick. Love this. Thank you. I mean, you could have, if you thought it was that great, you could have picked it before, but I didn't know all those details until you just told me. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I do know that I'm taking the chiefs minus nine. Uh, the chiefs are 21, 11 and zero against the spread as a road favorite under Andy Reed. Um, um, Joe, just real quick. I know that I was on this game with you, but I actually just cashed out um, of the bet. So you're going to have to reconvince me and I'll tell you why after. (laughs) All right. That's fine. So um, the, anyway, the chiefs are 21, 11 and zero against the spread as a road favorite under Andy Reid. I think that the chiefs are a better team. Um, While I think they do have some defensive shortcomings, uh, for lack of, I guess, a better way to say it, um, in terms of the these two teams, the Chiefs are a top six team in DVOA. The Broncos are 24th. Um, and I think that they might be getting Drew Locke back this week, but I still don't know how like in sync he's going to be uh, necessarily just jumping into this game. Um, additionally, uh, I think that the chiefs really what they do is they've been blowing everybody out, uh, through the air and, uh, was it looking at Denver, even though they have <laughs> Denver, even though Denver has like the sixth ranked defensive DVOA, uh, their big advantage has been in terms of rush defense. And I don't think that the chiefs are going to be relying on their rushing game. Uh, they haven't really at all this season. I mean, at Hilaire just had a great game, uh, this past week. It's Elair, Elair, whatever. He's going to be the backup in a little bit anyway, I guess. But um, I I think that the Chiefs are just better. I was looking at this. I I think that the under is actually even a play too. um, With uh, considering this is a low fit, like a low total. I know it's kind of odd to look at, but Mahomes has been favorable or profitable to bet uh, on the under as well. But I just think the Chiefs win this game. I don't think that the Broncos are going to be able to stop them uh, through the air, and the Chiefs are going to be able to rack up uh, a lead and cover this spread, which is you know nine, nine and a half. 
And uh, I think it's just like, it seems like a lot, but not with this type of offense that they have. Yeah. So I saw all the stats about Andy Reed being a road favorite and covering, um, but the spread's never been that high. Like it's never been a double digit spread. And I look back at how, and you saw it even this year, chiefs were almost, double-digit favorites um, against the Chargers um, in in L.A. Didn't cover that game. Almost, you know, had to go to overtime to win it. And I look back, and there's a couple – like the Broncos have always played the Chiefs within 10 points. And it's – I get it. It's a feel like – it was more of a feel game for me. Um, a but a but I just – I just it's a, it's a huge spread. It really is. No, I, I, yeah, I understand that it's – it is definitely a lot, but I just – I just like, I think the chiefs cover this, get this number. I think they're really uh, the best team in probably the AFC. And I think that they just are going to blow out their divisional opponent here. All right. Joe's on chiefs minus nine pit plus one and a half Seattle minus three and a half. Uh, the birds good. Yeah. Uh, real big surprise there. Terry Carolina plus seven and a half Cleveland minus three Belichick and the Patriots minus one and a half. I am on the giants plus four and a half Detroit plus two and a half Washington minus 5.5. You can just say Washington pick them. Uh, yeah. probably be that, but, uh, those are our picks again. We're 14 and four since we started doing this segment and fuck you, Jerome Powell and the standard four 500. Yeah. You um, are dicks. Um, can I just throw something out there real quick? Throw it out. Uh, so DK has uh, week seven parlay and profit boost. You get um, seven 10% profit boost, seven 20% parlay boost. I'm more concerned about the 10% profit boost um, with regard to the Patriots pick. Patriots on DK are minus 125. You use one of the profit boosts, you get it down to uh, minus one fourteen. So essentially, you know what a regular odds bet is. So if you don't want to lay the one and a half points, and I in fact just did this, you use the ten percent boost, take the money line, then you, you just need to hope that the Patriots don't lose three in a row for the first time since two thousand two. <laughs> All right, um, positive Rex, Bruce Corey, where are you at? We out you. We at you. We at you. What do you uh, have to recommend this week? I got two things this week. Two things. Oh Jesus! Yeah, one's a movie. Don't worry, I'm keeping it light. Till my second same, thing. Is it the same movie I was going to recommend? No, don't worry. I'm not going to cuck you like that. I know. The I know what you've the, been clamoring about. The boy in the striped pajamas. No, I don't want people to cry later. Um, oh. It's a movie I watched last week. It's called Opening Act. Uh, Jimmy O Yang's an up and coming comic. He's trying to get stage time at an improv it's really funny it's really good the cast is all comedians uh alex mofat from uh snl's in it bill burr neil brennan ken jong obviously whitney cummings tom segura roy wood jr who's probably one of the best follows on twitter so if you're not following him go follow him um apparently he used to like work as a correspondent for like a local news program and occasionally you get clips of him doing weird shit so funny um, Wait, he works for one now? What no, he think? used to. And like uh, now he's on The Daily Show. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. I Basically just used. doing his old job, but yeah. funnier. Um, it's it's funny. Uh, I'd give it like a hard six and a half out of ten. It's a good, just put it on in the background kind of movie. 
Because every time okay. you focus, it's funny, but not a hard okay. watch. Now this is something hard I'm watch. incredibly passionate about. We're up, number two. We're on. Was the was the second? Was the second? Okay, the second one wasn't the Twitter guy. No, that was just one. All right, I guess two and a half. Then that's a <laughs> suggestion, not a recommendation, but a suggestion. Um, every three months I go through this where I'll see something that gets me physically upset that people don't respect Limp Biscuit enough. My recommendation for number two is to listen to more Limp Biscuit, or at least give them some fucking respect because they have probably laid down the best foundation for modern heavy and actually not heavy, but rap, uh, like trap music, they've laid down the foundation for a lot of that. And people shit on them constantly because Fred Durst does look like a clown in retrospect. Uh, I'll have you know he was hot as shit back in the day. Uh, I have people that can confirm that on the record. Um, and I don't know. I read I another review. There. I was there in diapers. Um, I read like a some article who just took like a, a, no, a shot out of nowhere at Limp Biscuit. And they were reviewing some like, what the fuck was it? I can't remember. It was some like soft indie music out of like Ontario. And they were like, fucking, hey, let's let's dig in at Lip Biscuit. Fuck you. Stop that shit. I'm t- they're not a punching bag. They're fucking respectable. Uh, you know, they also weren't responsible for the riots at Woodstock 99, as much as people love to say that. They're not. I've uh, done the research. Um, actually, P. Diddy was a huge fan. Uh you know, check out my Instagram for that story. Uh, so put some fucking respect on Lip Biscuit's name and listen to, you know, your favorite album of theirs. Chocolate Starfish, right? Obviously, that's the only one that everyone's <laughs> that's favorite. That's the only one I know. Um, well, I'm going to go. I'm, what an oh, impassion. Just Limp Biscuit. Not didn't you didn't you write didn't you write a uh, a piece about this I on did. your blog? Uh, I was basically writing about how rap is going through its transitional period and its in its growth, and it's now at its emo stage. Oh, love that. Um, but prior which, to that, which it was is in which was like, true, right? And prior to that, it was in its like ignorant ass trap music phase, which is exactly what new metal was. So I was mirroring those two things, and I basically said, Fred Durst. If not for Fred Durst, we wouldn't have our modern day rap. All the sad boy rappers would be it. just at home. I love it. I That's love cool. it. Um, I will go next. I'm going to recommend the trial of the Chicago seven on Netflix, which oh, is no a way. film directed, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, who can be sometimes annoying. I think West Wing's fucking really annoying, but uh, you know, social network was great. Uh, his other movies that he has been a part of has been, have been great. I think that, this movie is fucking awesome. It is about the Chicago seven, which was in 1968, a group of anti-Vietnam war protesters who were charged with conspiracy by the new Nixon, um, administration who wanted to set an example, kind of crack down on law and order and all this bullshit. Um, they were protesting in the 1968 democratic national convention after, you know, RFK jr. Or Robert F. Kennedy was supposed to get the nomination ended up being Hubert Humphrey. Vietnam war was going on. They still didn't like their democratic nominee for president. So they went and protested at Chicago, 
police started a riot and shit went sour south and the Nixon administration wanted to charge this group with who weren't really like a coordinated group. It was like three or four separate um, protest groups. They threw a Black Panther in there just for fun. And it just remind you know, there's not really a lot written on 1968 and just terms in our cultural, like we still haven't culturally gotten over it, I think because a lot of it was very telling, very similar to a lot of the Trump law and order things you see before, the politicization of the Justice Department, all these kind of things that mirror 2020, um, you know, protests in the street, things like that, police brutality. But it was just a phenomenal piece of cinema. I thought Sasha Baron Cohen stars in it. He plays Abby Hoffman, who is one of the, the main guys. And he outacted everybody. He's now in the news today because he got Rudy Giuliani to unzip his pants on camera um, after an interview for the new Borat movie. So that's, that's great. Um, so I think that if you are a fan of Sasha Baron Cohen, you should watch this movie. Joe scored Levitt's also in it. Michael Keaton, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Yaha Abdul Mateen is also in this movie. Jeremy Strong, who is the coked out, Whoa. Son of uh, what's his name in uh, Succession, Roy. Uh, I forget his fucking Roy name. Roy G. Biv. But uh, it's great, great movie. Corey, you watched it, right? Yeah, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the background characters. Did you see Forrest Gump? I feel like he was there. <laughs> Could have been. Maybe. I mean, Maybe. he met most of those characters according to his documentary. Yeah, he should have been on trial too. I'm sorry, I was at your Black Panther party. <laughs> <laughs> that police officer was just hitting her in the head i had to stop it <laughs> forrest gump the radical uh forrest right. gump. i'll let you go joe all right uh so um this is a recommendation for how to carve a pumpkin um not that i'm an expert but what i did find helpful was in, instead of just sticking the knife in there like i took foreplay what oh no uh i took well yeah no but i got (laughs) that one took me a second i was like wait what i just want to caress the pumpkin (laughs) i took the i took like a sheetrock knife and scored it a little bit so it gave the knife a path to follow and uh it was a little bit easier uh to you know get in there so in a way it was foreplay um, in terms of like getting into the pumpkin and making sure it was all cut up nicely. Preheating uh, the oven. So it was good. It was great. You know, uh, I highly recommend it was a little bit of a, I, I got to step away from my work from the screens and I really got to focus on something and, uh, it was, it was a good time. So I did that. And then what I did was I just went and I bought a pumpkin spice candle. And what I did was I, I put the pumpkin spice candle into the pumpkin so when i light it it not only does it look cool then when it's dark out but also it smells like fucking pumpkin spice it's great so highly recommend they don't put like human scented candles during like in bodies during wakes like why would you put a pumpkin spice candle inside of a pumpkin you just killed well because like i don't Maybe they should. Who That's knows? It's like feeding chickens to chicken. Listen, have you ever made an omelet with like rotisserie chicken in it? No. 
how it feels. That sounds preposterous. <laughs> it's good to see that you're recommending, you know, general planning <laughs> before you do something permanent. It's a good idea, yeah. Joe. That's it. <laughs> okay, I'll go. I will recommend a book called Prisoners of Geography, 10 Maps That Explain Everything About the World by Tim Marshall. So uh, I've only read the first chapter, but it's basically just explains how geography. You recommend a book that you've only read the first chapter. Yeah, I mean, it's Terry pretty is now a cartographer. Don't judge a book by its first chapter. And basically, it explains, you know, how countries and geopolitics, you know, that we see today were formed and how geography plays a role in how, you know, politics, especially in Europe and Asia. Did you get to the Africa chapter yet? How long was this? Not yet. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Did you read this book? No, but I'm sure as shit. I mean, those lines were drawn up by their, uh, their colonizers oh, well, yeah, and it just led to more wars, so... That well, that's essentially fun. part of the introduction is saying that a lot of it's just colonizers just drawing lines on a map with no <laughs> like, regard you can't go there for now. people's culture or just not using common sense in terms of boundaries and whatnot. Um, but the first chapter is about Russia. Uh, it's pretty interesting because um, it gets into why Putin had to invade the Crimea Peninsula, essentially because you know, Ukraine was going to join, uh, half NATO. of Ukraine. Yeah. And the Donetsk people's Republic, essentially, uh, Russia would lose its only, uh, warm water port. So he needed to do it to essentially keep them as a superpower, but it's weird how like Russia, like everyone lives on the European side of it. And just the Asian side is just nothing. And it's just so much. It's like 70% of the country. It's cold, man. Russ Butin is from there. Yeah. Read a great book on Russ Butin. It's interesting. I mean, they still do, but like they literally just send like prisoners to Siberia. There's just cold as fuck. Well, there's all that room. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. And And like it went through like the Soviet Union, like how the Russian Empire occurred just because... It, like Moscow is located on the Northern European plain and there's just nothing to stop an invading army army from getting there. So it's just expand out as far as possible to make it such a long March to get to Moscow. <laughs> so like they would, that's why they, you know, they did, did what they did. It's very interesting. First chapter, China's next. <laughs> that's going to be good too. Yeah. Um, I'm a big a, uh, student of uh, Genghis Khan, so that, that should be a fun chapter. Prisoners the, of Geography. What's the city in northeastern Russia that like Is there should not be habitable? There? Do you know what uh, I'm talking about? I can't remember no. the name of it. Northeast? Yeah. Northeast? You it's mean like, northwest Russia? Sorry, yeah, northwest. Sorry, yeah. It's east of here. But, I had a gel moment there. Yeah, people just fucking like I can't. It might have been Peter the Great. I'm not 100 percent sure, but they had them build these canals into like whatever sea is there. I think it's the something with a KC. Um, but like they just fucking killed people who were in the gulags. They were like, "Hey, you go dig till you're dead." And like eventually, like they were able to get ships in there, and it became a little more modernized. But the Chukchishi, maybe. 
don't know. Is that is. Where, did Sarah Palin see those people from her house? No, other side of the country. Uh, it talked about that. I mean, you can you can see Russia from Alaska. <laughs> it's true. All this time, she just I'm voted not... for. <laughs> also, your quote that's SNL. She didn't actually say that. She said you can see uh, Russia from Alaska, like an island in Alaska. That's what she really said. And SNL made it. You can see Russia from my house. Are you guys surprised uh, that we haven't been outsourcing our prisons to Russia in that expanse of empty land? Dude, imagine getting arrested and then just getting shipped to fucking it's Russia. It's so big. Look how big But that's what happens in Russia. If you get fucking arrested in Moscow and they send you to a fucking gulag that's like a thousand miles away, it might as well be another country. It is another country. That's a fair point. It goes yeah, from no, Russia Ukraine is a, and Finland to North Korea. I was looking Alaska. up... I was looking up, uh, and Corey, you were aware of this. I was looking up Russia because the Devils drafted like some guy from the KHL. Oh, yeah. oh um, Jesus! And he is from a city that like I'd never heard of before. Turns out the city has like three million people in it, and I was like, I've never heard of this place. I've never heard of this region. It's like above Mongolia, and I'm looking at the map, and like what Terry just said, like Russia is fucking massive country. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Uh, I don't know. First chapter, A plus. We'll we'll advise. Maybe I'll recommend the book again. Apparently, it's a series of books. Book Russia, Russia also it also borders North Korea. I just said that. God damn it, Tom! <laughs> Unbelievable. I was too enamored with this map. All right. That's it for this week's episode of the Oddscast podcast. Thank you for listening to our discussions of maps, our discussions of Limp Biscuit and other related pumpkin carvings. Uh, good luck this week on your bets. Terry doesn't like this week, but he gave out some good picks. And uh, I think we can just keep the momentum moving, right? Is that the term? Yeah. Something All right. Keep the keep momentum the, moving. Keep the momentum moving. And we'll see you next week. Motion stays in motion. Netic energy. <laughs> All right, see you next week. You think you're special, special. You do. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it when you laugh at me. Look down on me and walk around on me. Just
Check out, 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 check out,